the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elliman's CEO, Dottie Herman. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I'm Dottie Herman, CEO of Douglas Elliman, and you're listening to the only show on talk radio that's all about real estate and the many things that have to do with real estate. That also includes safety, peace of mind. There was just a survey done, by the way, on Google, and people were searching. A lot of the words they used to search for was safe, home, um, because your home is your safety is your haven, and whether it's small or big, whether it's worth a lot of money or not a lot of money, whether you rent or buy, uh, you might be sick of being in, but it is the place that we spend time with our family, that we feel it's our space, and we feel safe there. Um, I know I do, and most people I know do. Um, Ace, what a Zoopark is here today. Hi, Ace. How are you? Good morning, Dottie. Good morning, everyone. Are you in the city? It is beautiful in the city, Dottie. Really? (laughs) (laughs) I was just, no, I I know the weather is beautiful. I want to say to everyone, I have been very upset with what's going on. I just think at the end of the day, um, we have to protest, but safely, you know, not hurting other people's properties and things of that nature. And I am not in the city. I was there last week, but my friends who are in the city sent me videos and tapes of things. And um, it looks like everything's calmed down a bit, but, you know, it it got pretty heavy. It's calmed down, Toddy. It's calmed down a lot. But um, still, uh, I think think this weekend will be peaceful protesters, and there's going to be tons of people outside, I think. Yes. And I think for a few days, the virus wasn't the biggest news. <laughs> I, mean, I think people are just about done. I mean, I, I think people are, I, I see wherever I go, people have masks on, but they're starting to get itchy because at least in the Northeast, the weather was not good. May was a freezing month. For May, it felt like it was winter. And now the weather is starting to really be nice. And when people feel it's nice out, they want to get out. And you see more people out. Um, I won't mention where, but I, you know, I see some of the restaurants that are really not open, you know, but they're open for takeout. They'll let a few people come in and wait for their food and have a drink. So I think it's starting to open up some of the stores. I know on Long Island, some of the stores, uh, you can either go in, um, you know, and they're careful about how many they let in one time, or you can pick up 
Um, so I think everything is starting to open up, and I think that everyone's ready for that, and I think that's all across the country. And did you see the numbers? Uh, we did two, 2.5 million new jobs. Yeah, that, uh, that, that really, uh, yeah, the, the stock market really rallied um, due to that as well. So The stock market rallied. The job numbers are good, better than anticipated. Unemployment, I think, is about at 13% now, 133 to be exact. And uh, they projected unemployment, I don't know, the 20s. I think last month it was 14. So apparently a lot of businesses, as they reopen, are hiring their employees back. So that's all good news, and I'm glad to hear that. Um, Steve? Hi, Stephen. Hi. Good morning, Daddy. Good morning, Ace. How are you? We're We're good. It's a great morning, day. Steven. The sun is shining, right? But Stephen, as you know, is a partner in Barton LLC, one of the top real estate law firms in New York City, and he specializes in real estate law. So if you have any legal questions or dilemmas, he's here to help answer your question. And you can give him a call or us a call at 866-970-9622. Uh, we're going to have uh, Mike Conti on for a little bit at 1030. Uh, he's our insurance expert, but uh, we wanted to ask him uh, who pays the bills. Like you know, if you had, if your property was vandalized, you know who pays those bills. Uh, we'll also talk a little about flying because I had a few questions about flying. Is it safe? And really want to talk about how the cities will reopen. And now that they're starting, how will that look? What is that going to be like? What trends uh, happen during the virus uh, that will continue? What kind of measures are people taking to make sure things are safe? So we'll talk about that uh, later on the show. There's always a lot to talk about. Uh, I always tell you what happened on this day in history. So for your information, on this day in history, which is June 6, 1944, the United States and the Allied troops invaded Normandy. And this was the largest air, land, and sea invasion in history. The goal was to, to surprise Germany, but Germany was ready to fight. It was the beginning of the end of World War II. We salute all those men and women who lost their lives on this day 86 years ago. June is also Pride Month, and the GLBT community has lots to be proud of. Same-sex marriages have contributed $3.8 billion to the U.S. economy since the Supreme Court ruling in 2015 legalized marriage equality nationwide. It's a lot of revenue. So let me ask both of you, and then I'll share my. Um, what was the one big thing that happened in your part of the universe this week? So could I start with Steve, and then I'll ask Ace? Sure, sure. There, there is a, a whole bunch of good things, but I'll tell you probably the most important thing is really the continued increase in strength of people looking to do transactions. And, you know, that says something about the resilience of the New York market, it gives a sense of also the insight of people, and I think that ties in very, very well with the employment numbers that were mentioned. You know, an interesting thing to also keep in mind, I wanted to just make one comment about the, um, the unemployment numbers or the employment numbers, depending look at it, um, is that there are a number of people around the country that, due to the increase in support and the temporary measures um, due to COVID-19, they do have some interesting situations where some employees are actually being paid close to, or in some cases more, than the amount of income that they're making if they're working. 
So, you know, it's interesting in those stats, the fact that there was an increase in employment, um, the reality is also that you're going to have a second wave, I think, in the near future of people going back to work because as the benefits readjust to typical benefits, that economic decision goes away. So I think that's incredibly encouraging. And, and we're seeing that in what people are saying. We're seeing people even looking to buy, you know, second homes that people were under economic or job distress. And again, everybody has their own situation. Um, certain industries are different. But the fact that people are making those calls and making those increase for secondary homes and so forth shows that there is momentum and strength behind the numbers, which is a very yeah. positive sign. Well, you know, as you're saying that, yesterday I had somebody who was doing some work on my house, and I had called two months ago, and, of course, I never heard from them. And they couldn't do work then, but I, I just asked them if they would just put me on the list. And so I called, and they said, oh, you know, this person left that you spoke to. So, so the uh, man who runs the business stopped by, and he said, I'm so sorry. We're so short. Everyone wants stuff done. Uh, and he then said a lot of his workers did not come back because they're making more on unemployment. So I tend to agree with you that when those benefits are up, <clears throat> you probably will get another hike of people coming back to work. And that's all good news. Uh, now, I want to ask you, Stephen, while you're... I, I read something that um, landlords charge Cuomo's eviction moratorium unconstitutional, and I read something about a group of Westchester County landlords charged that Governor Andrew Cuomo's executive order halting evictions during the pandemic violates their constitutional rights according to a lawsuit filed that was filed this week in federal court and the governor allowed tenants to pay rent by using their security deposit which they say violates the terms of the unit leases and while the landlords still have to pay their mortgages expenses related to the property and the taxes associated so um, what you read on that sure i want to divide it, it's a great question i want to divide it into two parts the moratorium on using the court system versus allowing tenants to use security deposits and the like. Um, the constitutional argument is something called the contracts clause. And what it means is, unless if there's something um, really unconscionable or, or invalid, um, the government can't get involved in a contract between two parties. And what happens is, regardless of what's going on in the outside world for the moment, you have a landlord who provided a service. They gave a quality property with quiet enjoyment, meaning tenants are not being disturbed. They can use the property, and the tenants are paying their rent, and that's the deal. And generally speaking, it is unconstitutional for the government to come in and break up that deal between two business parties. You have some exception to that. You may have concepts of illegal contracts, right? You can't have people engage in a contract for illegal activity like violence or murder, you know, things like that. And those are right. illegal contracts. Right. But for a legal contract, John, the government can't get in between that. So I, I definitely see and understand the perspective there from the landlords. Now, hold that for one moment, and I do want to distinguish that between the ability to use the courts. Generally speaking, you cannot stop somebody from the ability to use the courts. This is where I think, though, there's a distinction between the two. One, 
in, in using the security deposit, the government's picking sort of winners and losers and renegotiating a business deal. In the other case, I think we all recognize that we had an unprecedented period. And when there are certain overriding issues of health, safety, and welfare, it's a different story. And, and, and I think they have a much weaker case because really things were shut down, things were not operating in the nor normal course. And when you have certain extreme elements of war or pandemic, there are government can scale things back. And I think that's where that comes from. And that's the difference. You know, a temporary right. pause on government services versus the government intervening and saying, here is who wins and here is who loses on a private contract. That says it. So we'll just have to see. But but I also think, you know, you know, in any in any case that and we think we had a landlord that called either last week or maybe the week before and said, you know, I'm a landlord and, you know, I still have to pay my bills. So, you know, I really need we need some aid. We need some assistance. So there's always, you know, I try to do that. I try to look at both sides of the story and um, just come up with something that I think is kind of in the middle. So there's a lot going on, and I'll tell agree, you that. You know, and, and Dottie, I agree with you on that one when we talked about it last week. You know, and I think this was one of the big errors when discussing tenant relief. The government should have said, look, we're going to make it universal. We're going to talk about if we're going to give relief for tenants, we should give relief for landlords and do it all wrapped up together so that, again, we're not sort of just solving one problem and creating another. I, I agree with you. And then, look, the landlords, even though there's a pause in initiating cases, that is a pause, not a stop. And once that is over, the landlords can take action. So my warning to tenants who think, oh, they've had a couple of months of the quote-unquote upper hand vis-a-vis -vis landlords and maybe could get away with some bad behavior or not pay rent for good or a bad reason, there will be a day of reckoning. And so there's going to be you know, a comeback for the landlords to be able right. to get remedies against those but tenants. But again, my read on that, you'll be waiting um – in court, you might have to go to Judge Judy or somebody like that to get a quicker response because I think there'll be a lot of people because the courts weren't even open. Um, on the real estate end of it, uh, we see an increase in activity. Uh, people are starting to, you know, and again, I, I think I told you last week, there will be a pent-up demand of buyers who just stopped looking because they were nervous about going into properties and sellers who just took their homes off the market because they were afraid to have people come in, and rightfully so. Uh, but those people still want to buy and sell. It's not that they – it's just like they paused. And you're starting to see that start to start to come back. I know I spoke to one of the developers this week or last week, and I said, you know what? Take your property and put it out now. You know, put your new – because there's nothing – there's not a lot of out right now, and it's brand new, and people always like new. And um, it's price right. So that's, you know, I think you're going to start to see it slowly come back. And Ace, now, I read, okay, this is what I read. It says, get ready for the feds to raise the rates in 2027, meaning they're not <laughs> raising them. Okay. And are we at lowest rates we've been now? Are, are, are we at zero or what are we, what are we at with interest rates now? Yeah, so the um, the 30-year mortgage right now, Dottie, we're currently at the 3% range, 3.125, which is right. the lowest it's ever been in 50 years, right, Dottie? So 
when the um, when the government says that we're in a zero percent interest rate environment, it's it's the it's it's really the um, the prime rate. So it really has nothing to do with long term rates. But long term rates, if you're looking for a thirty year fixed, you're currently at three point one two five. But the same sentiments that yourself and Stephen are saying for the past week, you know, we saw mortgage applications, especially for purchase of a home, it rose five percent for last week, and it was a st- it was right around eighteen percent higher than last year's numbers, right? So that's a stunning number, um, considering is. what we're going through with the pandemic and things of that nature. So all this time when we're discussing pent up demand. I think we're starting to see that um, through the mortgage applications as well, Dottie. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think I was um, a bit skeptical about some of the forecasts. And again, forecasts are just forecasts. doesn't mean they're, they're correct. But, you know, they were forecasting last month that we would see a big comeback in the fourth quarter or the end of the year. And I was like, I'm not yeah. sure about that. But as, you know, as we go on, I'm starting to see that people are going back to the way they were, and people are really tired of being in isolation. I see them all over, and um, I think they're going to take a little bit more of chances because people that I talk to say, listen, I haven't gone to a restaurant. I haven't done this. I've stayed in my house. I wear the gloves. I wear the mask. But there comes a point where, you know what? You have to take some risks in life. So I think people are getting a little antsy, and I said with the nice weather, and I think they're going to start, you know, doing what they would normally do. What I think is worth talking about, you know, at some point is what I, I just, I just did a, a Zoom CEO conference for young CEOs. And um, the biggest probably uh, thing they, they were like, there's so many uncertainties that some of them seem paralyzed as far as, well, how do I get ahead now? What do I do now? Uh, you know, now that things have changed. And so, as I think I told you, and I, I think that it's worth discussing, with change comes opportunities. And if you think about uncertainties, there have always been uncertainties. You know, I mean, this is a big one, but there's always uncertainties. You know, people always trying to buy, is the market going to go up? Is the market going to go down? I'm sure ACE people with you, with, well, gee, what's the interest rate? You know, should we wait? Should we buy now? Should we should we lock into a rate? Should we float it? So, you know, there's always, you know, should I take this job or should I take this other job that's less money but safer? I mean, there's always, always uncertainties in life. And, and, and Daddy, if I, if I can yeah, add one I, thing also on the mortgage side, which is very, very important, which hasn't gotten enough press for the consumer, and I'm sure, you know, Ace can add more to it as well is that most of the loans that are done as an adjustable rate are calculated off an index called LIBOR, the London Interbank Offered Rate. Within the next year, LIBOR as a standard is going to be gone, and it's going to generally be replaced by something called SOFR, the Secured Overnight uh, Financing Rate. And they're comparable, they're not identical, And for people who, in my opinion, this is where we've been guiding clients who are in these adjustable rate products, you need to watch out because in the next year, there's going to be a change. Do they match up or not? And this is something that's going to give a lot of headache for people like Ace because the banks have to figure out how to make the transition. 
and give consumers that protection. And, and it's really something that we're uh, on the alert on. So really, more so than ever, you really should be in touch with people like Ace and the banks right now and really consider what type of mortgage product you have so that you're prepared for that transition while rates are incredibly low. I know we have a commercial break. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Joe Piscopo with Everyday Heroes. What is America to me? This pandemic has been very tough on all of us. It's put a strain on our health, our psychological well-being, our finances and families. It's also brought out some of the best in people. We have seen countless examples of businesses and individuals going above and beyond the call of duty to selflessly help their neighbors. If you know someone who fits the bill, let us know. Tell us their stories. Tell us who deserves to be recognized. And we just might feature them on our show. Leave Frankie Five Burrows a message, 816 8 Morano 816-866-7266. Tell us which everyday hero deserves some special recognition. You can also reach us online at am970theanswer.com. But especially the people that's America. I'm Joe Piscopo with Everyday Heroes on AM 970, The Answer. Planning for the future is important. Are you and your family protected? If you're not around to make the decisions, who will? Are your assets protected from probate and nursing home costs? The time to plan is now. Need a will, trust, power of attorney, health care proxy, living will, estate plan. The goal of Connors and Sullivan's attorneys is always the protection of your rights and interests. They've been helping people like you and me plan their estates and protect their families for 40 years. Talk with Mike Connors in a free, comprehensive telephone contact consultation to see how he can help you protect your family, your assets, and your legacy. Have all your questions answered from the security of your home during these difficult times. The biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. Now is not the time to put it off. Call Connors and Sullivan today to schedule a free telephone consultation with Mike Connors himself. 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or visit connorsandsullivan.com. Hey, are you guys open? Yeah, yeah, we are. Come on in. As businesses reopen across the nation, is your business prepared for what comes next? Salem Surround can help. COVID-19 brought America's thriving economy to a screeching halt. But now, local businesses are getting back to normal. Are you ready for the return to business and all that pent-up consumer demand? Contact Salem Surround. Learn more by logging on to surroundnewyork.com. Connecting you with new customers. Take AM 970 The Answer anywhere you go with our mobile app. Get in on iTunes, Google Play, or listen on TuneIn, iHeart, Alexa, or Radio.com. And now, AM 970 and Solution High School would like to highlight the graduating class of 2020 and the stories of our seniors. 
This goes out to Brendan Daly, class of 2020 at Salesian High School. We are so proud of all your accomplishments over the past four years. You have made us so proud with your heart of gold and helping others with the midnight runs and volunteering at the soup kitchen. You have also amazed us by succeeding academically with your grades and getting honors throughout your four years at Salesian. We've loved watching you shoot for the stars with the Salesian players, especially your lead role in AIDA. We can't wait to watch you thrive and achieve your dreams at Iona College. We love you so much. Love, Mom and Dad. If you'd like to congratulate your senior on air, call us and leave us a message at 212-478-9797. 212-478-9797. We want to hear the stories of our seniors. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. Hi, we're back. You're listening to I on Real Estate. I'm Dottie Herman. I'm here with Steve Ebert, Ace Brothers Hubart. I will be joined very shortly with Mike Conte. Um, I want to give a shout-out to my friends. Okay. Uh, Linda, who is uh, watching our show, helps me with my social media and just sent me a great picture from L.A. that says, I'm watching your show and I'm listening to your show. Um, And before I I have Mike on, I would like to take a quick question from um, Joe. Um, Joe from, uh, I think you're from New New York. Yeah, you're in Manhattan. Hi, Joe. Hello, Daddy. Hello, Joe. (laughs) How are you doing today? Uh, pretty good. Look at the weather. At least it's not. We don't have any looting, right, so far. That's good. And, and hopefully it'll stay that way. Let's hope so, considering, you know, like we have uh, state police and state militia could be called that or not. But anyway, I have a few things. I'm going to be brief. A few weeks, in, a week or so ago, two weeks ago, you were talking about evictions, and I called in. And you also mentioned you weren't, you weren't familiar with the eviction process in New Jersey. Right. Daddy, uh, since like 2013 or so, I lived in New Jersey on and off three times on my own dime. And let me tell you something. The eviction process in New Jersey is much, it's like a flash compared to New York. Matter of fact, it was by the grace of God and the um, Legal Aid Society of uh, Northern New Jersey. I went the day before. I didn't get the court date until the day before. So I went to a Legal Aid Society, Northern New Jersey in Patterson. And uh, she was wonderful, the uh, attorney and the rarity, and she helped me out, and she came the next day to court. We were able to get it thrown out because the, um, the slum owner had filed in an incorrect way. And then she said he's going to only file again. So she helped negotiate me getting out with well, that's, out an eviction. That's really good. So, yeah, you I know, know Daddy, the eviction is different everywhere. Steve and I... I, you know, I, I don't, I didn't know New Jersey, so thank you for telling us. So I guess you it's know that an eviction, Daddy, an eviction on your record is as damaging as a felony conviction, which I don't have. Steve, any comments on that, Stephen? Well, it's always, it's always tough to comment on a particular case uh, without knowing, you know, all the details. Um, you know, evictions are very rough on people. It displaces them. It creates, a, you know, a problem of getting housing at times. Um, I, I would respectfully disagree. I, I don't think an eviction is quite the same as a felony conviction, which a felony would be something we have to go to prison for at least a year by definition. So not, not, quite, not quite there. But 
And there has been changes in rules about using past evictions to um, prohibit against future rentals. But look, it's it's an issue. It's an issue that a lot of people do have. I mean, housing, you know, and this is one of the key focuses of the show. Housing is so important for people. Having a mailing address, having a place where you can go to allows people to basically set the foundation of their lives. And so without that, it creates all sorts of problems of things that we take for granted, just being able to store your belongings, right, and also be ready to go to work and get a job and maintain it and to get paid. You need need an address. You need a place. So um, evictions are incredibly disruptive to people, their livelihood, their well-being, um, and, you know, it's – uh, obviously, well, I, you, you know, know just to add quickly, I remember um, being involved with some of the banks had these programs and like one of them was cash for keys. And what they did, because to get somebody out is another tr- problem. And then sometimes people destroy things if they're evicted. So they would actually offer cash to people to help them get out to find something else or something like that. So, look, it's not pleasant. I never like to see it. Um, I know in New York, I mean, when there's kids involved, they're even the judges usually are even more sensitive. Uh, but as I said, it's different everywhere. And thank you for letting us know how New Jersey was, because I know in New York it does take a while. Um, it's not something that quick. But thanks, Joe, and have a great weekend. And with that, Mike, um, Mike, I am glad you're on the show. How are you doing over good. this week? Good. 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 Good morning, Dottie. Nice to nice to speak to you, and thank you for referencing D-Day. I think many people forget what what uh, transpired this day many many years ago. A great sacrifice by great Americans. Uh huh. And this has so, been some week for me. I know. I can imagine. I mean, first it was a like I couldn't. Sometimes I was in disbelief of what was going on. However. When people have damages, let's say somebody burned your car or things of that nature, or you have damage to your property, I mean, how is that covered by insurance? Uh, something Absolutely. Like that? I, I, you know, in, in the past three months, we've had to say a lot of things aren't covered, but um, rioting, civil commotion, vandalism, these are all covered perils under 99% of the insurance policies that are out there. So, uh, provided, uh, and, and I'll put the caveat on there, uh, for example, if you buy an automobile and you don't insure it with full physical damage coverage, then no, it's not covered. But for homeowners, for building owners, for business owners, uh, 99.9% of the time it is a covered peril, which is well, let me very, ask you a question very... on that. A Go lot ahead. of people who have cars that are not new think, well, why should I pay for collision? Because collision costs you a lot more money if you're going to have the, the car, you know, fixed completely. Um, is some of that also under, but is some of the vandalism, if that happens, covered other homeowners also? No. Uh, any damage that occurs to your vehicle is not extended off the homeowners or the building or business policy. That is a separate uh, item that you must consider when you're buying the automobile insurance. And we, we, we deal with this question quite a bit in our office um, because many of our customers are Manhattan-based where they have vehicles 
that are, for example, garaged for 10 years. They have like 3,000 miles, but they're garaged for 10 years, and they, they say, why am I continuing to carry physical damage? So we always walk it through them, and we always try to determine, well, what's the current value, and could you sustain that loss at this time, you know, and, and recover from it without insurance, and then we make the decision from there. But right, so what I'm issues... asking, though, basically is if you didn't, I mean, I guess I'm giving you a general question, so I, but if you didn't have collision, let's just say you have, you know, um, someone, if you didn't have collision, would you then not, you know, and, and, well, and, and then somebody yeah, blew no. up your car the, or the, burned the, your car or something like that, right. then you might the, not be the covered. Quick, the, the quick answer is no. But it, you see, when you buy auto insurance, there are two physical damage coverages that you buy. One is collision and one is other perils. So anything other than a collision would fall into other perils or what we formally called comprehensive. So if you don't have comprehensive coverage, you're not going to get um, a coverage for a, a, a vandalism of your vehicle or, or a firebomb to your car or turning over of your vehicle. No, it would not be covered. Well, so that's just another thing that I think I want to urge everyone, whether it's mortgage information, refinancing, and remember the rates, people. Remember, it's they're, they're the lowest rates they've been, okay? So you need to take advantage of that if in any way that you can. And actually, if you're renting, if I were you, I would ask a real estate agent maybe, uh, and hopefully a Douglas Sullivan agent, but ask them, do a, a buy. I, I used to do them for clients all the time. Um, a rent versus buy, or actually Ace could do them for you, where you look at how much rent you're paying and then look at how much down payment you need and taxes and things. And sometimes in many cases, I mean, in many cases, actually, it's not a big difference, especially if you're living in a place where there's high taxes. Now, with cars and insurance, it's the same thing. I don't think people really understand insurance. I have that with medical sometimes, you know, with hospitalization. Sometimes the people say, well, Daddy, why is it so high? Well, you can get a cheap policy that covers nothing. Okay. So you really should speak to the experts. And I try to bring all the experts in each field on the show so that you can at least find out information. Remember, information is free. And knowledge is power. So take advantage of all the great people that come on and give up of their time every weekend to keep you informed um, because really so many people are not. <laughs> really, just so, And it's not that they're not smart. They just really don't pay attention to things. So I, I thank you for that um, because that's really an important, important thing. And you know that, as I was telling you, as we were just saying, we're, we're uh, ecstatic that in Manhattan, residential contracts, you know what Ace, you were talking about, jumped 52%. Okay, 52%. Now, that's from a yeah. low number, but that's a major number. And sales rose. I'm going to finish telling you all the stats that just go with what Ace has been saying and Steven's been saying. Business is starting to come back. Again, I don't know how long it'll take and it'll be slow, but it's definitely we're definitely seeing it come back. I will 
give you some more information right from the break. We'll be right back. In an era where it's tough to know which news outlet to trust, at a time where it's difficult to find facts, not just opinion, there is an oasis in the news desert. It's the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis, the personification of the American dream who built a multi-billion dollar business empire, talks with some of the nation's top newsmakers every Sunday morning at 8.30 a.m. You won't just hear partisan spin. You'll hear directly from the newsmakers who are shaping the news cycle in the city, the country, and the world. On the Cats Roundtable, you won't just hear about politics. You'll hear about science, business, education, animal rights, and any other topics that you're interested in. Catch the Cats Roundtable every Sunday morning, starting at 8.30, right after Morano in the Morning on AM 970. The Answer. Relief factor, pain relief that's natural, pain relief that works, and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain. I've come from the doctor's clinic this morning, 28 staples out of my knee, and I am not taking painkillers. Why? Because I don't need to. I'm taking relief factor. Yes, it's a triple dose, but it doesn't have any negative side effects, and I am doing just fine. Thank you very much. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. See their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just nineteen ninety-five. That's less than a dollar a day. That's truly remarkable to be liberated from your pain for less than a dollar a day. Find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today. Go right now. Relieffactor.com. Relieffactor.com. This is your opportunity to be the next success story. Hey, are you guys open? Yeah, yeah, we are. Come on in. As businesses reopen across the nation, is your business prepared for what comes next? Salem Surround can help. COVID-19 brought America's thriving economy to a screeching halt. But now, local businesses are getting back to normal, and families are getting out to shops, stores, and restaurants. Are you ready for the return to business and all that pent-up consumer demand? Business recovery plans should be ready to go right now. The marketing team at Salem Surround is ready to help, so you don't waste a minute or a dollar recapturing market share. We'll help design your recovery plan targeting potential customers with proven marketing strategies. With everything in our toolkit working for you digital audio mobile even audience engaging contests and promotions contact salem surround for a free evaluation of your digital marketing plan learn more by logging on to surroundnewyork.com connecting you with new customers listen to us online at am970theanswer.com tune in iheart alexa or radio.com Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. (coughs) Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. 
Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back, and we're talking about numbers, and I definitely, and myself, Ace, Steve, and we're all saying, and uh, I guess uh, Mike, you're busy with insurance, things are starting to come back. However, when you look at numbers, remember something. The numbers that you see posted are deals that happened at least three or four months ago. So, like, let's assume something, if you bought a home in February, before the whole hoopla of the virus, because I think everything really stopped in March. If you bought a home in February, and let's say you went to contract, and you closed in May or June, okay, and then that, that transaction would have to be recorded, which takes another month or two, the data that you would be getting is like about four months old. So it's like it's old data. So you, you're hearing prices didn't go down. But remember, that's probably from data that, that that's probably three or four months old. Because in reality, uh, Manhattan real estate deals plunged 84%, not in price. Okay. But the amount of contracts that were signed for Manhattan apartments was 84% down from May of this year to May of last year. Now, that's a big number. And why is that? That's because we were on pause. Uh, So as you start to see it come back, if it says, oh, deals are up 50% in June for May, that's all positive. But it's coming from a low number. So you have to kind of look at where they're coming from. I mean, for example, there was 160 contracts signed in May for Manhattan Apartments compared with 992 in May of 2019. Okay, so that's a big number. Now, that's not because nobody wants to live in Manhattan. That is really because we couldn't show apartments. Real estate agents were virtually not able to do anything. Um, So everything came to a halt. Uh, the number of new listings, and I say this to listen to this because the number of new listings is also down 71%. Um, so that is what I tell you that even though everything was on pause and so many people took off their houses, that there's really not a ton of inventory around and everything is supply and demand. So that you really... Now, people are predicting on whether they think prices are going to drop because the next set of numbers you will get that are recorded will probably be numbers for right now. And, you know, your guess is as good as mine, uh, but my, my guess is that they'll be down a little bit, like 5%, you know, maybe, you know, not much, but I think. And actually, as we were looking at all the numbers again, although Manhattan had less transactions, Westchester County and Greenwich, Connecticut, and Bergen and Monmouth counties, um, they had uh, increases. So what that shows you is people kind of moved and moved to the suburbs. But, you know, we remain optimistic about once the city opens, and we're going to talk about that a little bit after the the news. We also have Sherry Spree, and she's going to talk a little about what's going on um, with people's mental health and uh, because I think everyone is kind of stressed out but happy now to just be doing simple things that we did three or four months ago that we took for granted like when I see a person I'm like oh my god it's so great to see somebody 
How are you dealing with this ace? How are you dealing with Stephen and Mike? I mean, how are you dealing with all of the social distancing? You know, um, Dottie, you know, a couple of things on what you were saying. Definitely agree that there was the pause and the impact. A couple of things for people to keep in mind with pricing. Um, some of the data, and because this is how contracts get designed, not all information gets reflected in the price. For example, we've had deals where maybe we did some renegotiation and a developer mm -hmm. might throw in a free parking spot or a storage unit to keep the deal going. So you might see a price not change, and that's what they're they're giving. So there's, there's same one on rentals, right, Steve? Same on rentals. Like on a rental, absolutely. Unit, you might see a, it wouldn't show, but somebody, a, a landlord, might say, "Okay, I'll give you two free months." That no, or right, or something of that nature, which wouldn't reflect in the price. Exactly. So you wouldn't see a price concession, but also, and, 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 that, and that would keep stability in the market, keeps the comparable property analysis um, on track. And in that vein, what's very interesting, and we saw this in the past, I have not seen any of the mortgage lenders give any appraisal discount, which is very important. What I mean by that is there were times where you know, banks might say, oh, we're concerned about the market direction. So even if the property appraises, we might take off 5% from the valuation because we're concerned of where the trend lines are. They're not doing that right now. And, and conversely, so even though that one concession you're seeing uh, on one side, the other thing, and this ties in, I think, with the lack of inventory in the market, for people who are experienced real estate owners, and they've been through the chaos of financial contagion of 2008, and they've been through the horror of 9-11, they realize one thing. The people who panicked and the people who immediately price chopped did something. Six months, 12 months, 18, 24 months later, were economically made a very bad decision. There was a resiliency. So as we come out of the pause and things go, go back, what I'm noticing in negotiating contracts as a general proposition that, you know, there is price stability and Sellers would rather wait six months and then put it on um, to, under, to make the buyers understand that there's not going to be 50% off. You know, that's not happening. Um, you know, yes, at certain price points in the market, we're seeing some differences, you know, but, you know, you can't compare a $1 million property with a $20 million property. They're, they're two completely different markets. So in certain subsectors, sure, there are some differences, but as I think a general proposition, Overall, the market believes in it, and what's interesting is the buyers that I'm seeing getting deals done are people who may want to take advantage and get a little bit off or something, but they're not asking for steep discounts because they understand the ultimate value of the asset, and, and those are the deals that are getting right. done that we're seeing. But always, I, I would agree. I, 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 you look at supply and demand, uh, but I will tell you that there are many people that tried. I'm not saying they succeeded. Try to renegotiate a contract. I'm sure you've seen this, Steve, and I'm sure you've seen it, Ace, uh, who've tried to renegotiate a contract where they went to contract at a price. Then they said, well, the virus, da 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 I want this amount off. And I won't give names. I just know of a big deal that just happened where the person said, no, I can't really commit because of the virus. And I want a million dollars off. So 
it wasn't really that they couldn't go through with the deal because of money reasons. They just wanted money off. And um, I believe the seller said absolutely not. And we'll see what happens with that. Because um, Steve can talk more about this, but if you go to contract, you usually give uh, money as a, as a, like earnest money as a down payment to for the property. And if, if the contract goes through and, you know, every, all the, the requirements of the contract are fulfilled, then that money goes towards your down payment. However, if you forfeit, and Steve, you could talk about that. If you go to contract, and let's just say you put 10 or 20% down and you put, like, say, $100,000 down or $50,000 or whatever, doesn't matter. If you decide to change your mind or default, what can happen? Yeah. You, can lo- you lose. Would you talk about that for a few minutes? Absolutely. I, I and and I think that's such a great point to bring up now in this market. Um, contracts matter. We're adults. And you know what? Good times happen, bad times happen, and you make a deal, you shake your hand on it. Unless if you have a specific way out of a contract, you have to go forward. So before getting into exactly what happens and the penalties, this is at its fundamental heart, the most valuable component of the contract negotiation between buyer and seller attorney. As a seller attorney, if I'm representing a seller, my goal is to create a lockbox, a tight space where the buyer can't escape. If I'm a buyer's attorney, my goal is to create Swiss cheese, put as many holes in this to create escape paths for a buyer. That is at its heart, and you're touching right on it, what the buyer and seller attorneys are exactly engaging in, you know, locking in the buyer versus giving an escape path for the buyer. So that's really what the contract in many ways is about. And what happens once there is a deal, unless the buyer has a specific permissible way out, like the property was destroyed or the seller didn't own it, you know, things like that or mortgage right. contingency. Or maybe I think if buy- someone dies, you can get out of it. <laughs> yeah, if, it, if it's in there. And if, um, if not, then... They lose that deposit. Yeah. That, that's so the I just, Right. So I just want to make people understand, once you put that deposit down, um, basically you've signed the contract. And if you forfeit, if you default on that, and you can't prove in court that there was a good reason for it, which, you know, again, you don't want to be tied up in court anyway, um, they can keep your deposit, these sellers. So therefore, and that as sellers, I tell sellers the same thing. I would, if I had two deals, and let's say one was higher than the other, but the, 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 the lower deal had a much bigger down payment, I would take that, you know, because I would want to be secure that the deal goes through. Ace, what should... And by, and by the way, Dottie, developers do that a lot of times, too. Like, 10% is fairly the most common number, but if you're right. going to buy new construction and be in contract for a year or so... The developers typically have you put in a second deposit of another 5 or 10% to build it up to 20% to exactly address the point that you're mentioning, to give the buyer more skin in the game because right. if they but, feel bad, then they, they really it, have uh, can, can keep them in. But it's also a great vehicle when you're negotiating prices. And I can say to you, my customer, my client, my customer is going to put 25% down. And he has a pre-approval from the mortgage company. The chances are, the higher the down payment, the less likely they'll be able to not get a mortgage. 
Now, Ace, I wanted to ask you a question. Everything's up. People are looking for homes, and they're going to continue, and I think you'll see a slow comeback. But we talked a couple of weeks ago about credit being tougher. So what should people know about the credit now? And if you're a seller, remember, the price is not everything. You need to have the pre-approvals. You need to know that their credit's good and that they're going to get a mortgage. How much tougher is the credit now? Or is it not, Ace? Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really good question, Dottie. And with the, with the current environment, with folks being laid off, with uh, folks being furloughed, it's caused a lot of transactions in the pipeline uh, to really um, be underwritten again, right? So folks that are – so there's – there's two tales here. There's folks that are currently in contract where a lot of times, you know, we're get the, the buyer and the seller uh, will need to extend the contract a little bit longer than expected um, because folks have been furloughed. But as it, as, as it pertains to guidelines and products, most banks have adjusted somewhat. But to Stephen's point, um, they haven't adjusted that much, right? So the guidelines are still staying the same, except possibly the, they may take less um, less account for your stock portfolio because of the market. Now the stock portfolio has risen because of the volatility of the market. So there's a lot of temporary changes, Dottie, um, but it's not permanent. So that's really is, the difference here. Yeah. Okay, but what tips would you give if sellers, when they're accepting an offer, if they have multiple offers? Um, oh, the tips what, that what, I would give you know, like I, I mean, you, Okay, what you tips would all, you give the seller, yeah. and then what tips would you give the buyers? Yeah, we preach this all the time, right? If you're a seller and you're accepting an offer, and you just said it, Dottie, and you're accepting an offer and there's no pre-approval, number one, um, that that can't happen anymore in in today's environment, right? You need to require a pre pre-approval. So stop. From a bank. If you're a seller, unless somebody says they're paying all cash, which then they don't have to worry about a mortgage, and that's fine. Exactly. That's a great deal. Yep. Okay, unless they're paying all cash, if they don't have a pre-approval. Unless not, you have no other qualified. deals, I wouldn't take the chance, and I would also see, ask to see a credit report. So it's important Correct. for sellers to Correct. know the price is one part of it. The second part, but but it's just as important is that they can get a mortgage. If they can't get a mortgage, you're you're just going to waste time with somebody when you could have had a real buyer. So that's great advice. And what plus when you're negotiating, you have an edge if you have a pre-approval. Definitely. And definitely, I don't Dottie. know it, how it, much time. Yeah. yeah, you can finish. We're, we're doing. A, we're going to do the news, and then you could really finish up for what I think yep. that buyers should know now, that they should do, not only for themselves, not only to make sure they're not wasting time, but to make sure that they put their offer in a positive place, because you might be dealing with more than one person, and the stronger your credit is and the stronger your offer is, the better chance you have of accepting the deal. We'll talk a little about that after the break, and then we'll uh, talk about how the city reopens, and then we'll have Sherry Spray talking about what's going on with people's anxiety. We'll be right back. Ion Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A.